Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Culture and Penicillin. We're so happy that you can join us for another episode. I am Dr. LJ, and I'm joined by the Dr. Warren. And we're really, really excited today to bring you up to speed on what's been happening with us since we last communicated with you guys, and then also to discuss some really exciting information about the coronavirus and the pandemic that we're now experiencing. So let's just get it started. So have you been warned since we last connected? What's what oh, you been up to? Wow, it's been a lot. So I just got back in town from San Francisco, Oakland area where the coronavirus has been really, well, at least the topics and the, the scare of the coronavirus has really been at its height, I think. I definitely noticed it. Definitely a lot, of, like, a lot of empty public places on my plane from Atlanta to Dallas and then from Dallas to San Fran was very empty. Could have just been the flight schedule and the flight pattern. Not quite sure. But I remember I had to call in when I called to check into all my flights, they explicitly said, you will be waiting online because so many people are calling us about this coronavirus. So I think people were trying to change their flights, cancel their flights. So again, a lot of uh, things were going down. But I had a, ultimately had a good time in San Francisco, Oakland. I went with one of my very, very best of friends from high school. And we had a really good time. We saw a lot of good sights. We saw the Everwoods, not the Everwoods, but the Redwoods. Have you seen those before? The trees? I have not. No. Yo, those trees are just colossal. You, it's just hard to even put into words how large those trees yeah. are. I would love that. I love big trees. It's weird to say that, but I absolutely love huge I trees. I mean, yeah, they are. You just look up at them. You're just like, wow, like you were here for a long, 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 long time. I mean, the history that those trees could probably tell, you could walk through. Like You literally can walk through some of those trees. They're that large. Those are like the boabab trees that we see in, like in Africa. The, the trees what? of life. Boabab trees, they're huge. And no say. in the past, they used to actually utilize the tree as houses. As a house? Oh, that makes yeah, sense. Because the trees had so many big roots that came up out of the floor. Okay. That it yeah. created partitions and they were very deep and you could walk into it. It's really yeah. cool. <laughs> well, these trees definitely could could definitely serve that purpose because they were just large. And we saw the tall ones, like the East Coast, the coastline ones, but there's some more like the, the giant sequoias, which are larger in diameter, but shorter. I mean, mm -hmm. those are like, I think, the, I think the ones that we saw were like 22 meters in diameter approximately or feet, can't remember which unit. But the other one was, I think, I think the giant sequoias were like 44 or something like that, something crazy like oh that. God. Yeah, so definitely, definitely like cool sights to see and a good hiking trip went on. It's literally up in the mountains. And I remember hiking? Well, it's hiking, it's a trail. So it's like the Muir, the M U I R Woods, the Muir Woods. And so we had to hike through it to see it. Now, mind you, again, a, I love what I'm here. Like, you actually went hiking? Right? <laughs> so again, much. now, like, absolutely not. <laughs> it was a planned trip because I said, I want to see these trees. And I knew going into it that I was going to have to hike. So I wore my mm -hmm. hiking gear. I was prepared for it. It wasn't sprung up on me. So it was a pleasurable event. Now, hiking that's just popped up on me, like, let's go on a retreat for work. And it ends up being like a camping retreat. And nobody told me. That's when I draw the line and have a problem. Exactly. So this yeah, one, right. I knew what I was getting myself into. So it was, yeah. and, it, and it was one day, all right, we had a finite route that we were going to walk and we knew how to get back. And that was good. That's actually very good cardio. And so that should be something that we promote and we shouldn't be downplaying more. 
Well, I'm not but, downplaying it, but it's just, you know, I hate to get sprung up like with outdoor adventures and I don't know anything about it because I can walk, I can run in the gym where I have a shelter over me. I have running water, electricity, a TV, all the basic essentials I need in order exactly. to get through this, this exercise yeah. session I'm going through. You know what? I, so when I was in boarding school in many years ago, obviously, but I went from sea level in the Bahamas to like... I think it was like something like 10,000 feet in like 24 hours. I got oh, did the, you get sick? I got the absolute worst altitude sickness. Oh, really? Interesting. Uh, yeah. I thought my hour had come, as we say. <laughs> I, I thought oh I was going to die not... on the top of that mountain. And then but you can, day, though. I know. And the very next day, at the crack of dawn, I was up and I was like, get me off of this mountain. Yes. It was the very first and the last time that I went hiking on a mountain trail. Yeah. They say the first thing you're supposed to do if you like hiking up like a long trail and you get sick, you're supposed to descend. That's like classic 101 emergency medicine, wilderness medicine question and answer. I did, I did descend the next morning. I was yeah. like, this is not, this is not the business. I'm going to be, I was yeah. like, y'all are too loud and I need to get down. And dude, and those <laughs> cliffs, those cliffs were crazy. I remember we were driving up there and LJ literally, like, I mean, you look over out your window and it's no less than like an 80 foot cliff. And people were living in the, like you drive around this huge bend there and there'll be a house on the side. That's but, actually pretty cool. I would like a house like that. Uh, what? Yeah. No. The views must be spectacular. Like that must be so cool. I can visit the views. I can take a picture. <laughs> I have all the views now I need. But living on that thing, are you kidding me? And LJ, when I tell you like these roads are so windy, like you're literally winding up these roads into mountains and people were parking their car on the side of the road, which is their garage. And then they would go down to their house, which is like embedded into the mountain. I'm just like, no. Yeah. You've been on, you've, been, you've driven mm-hmm. mountain roads before. Mm-hmm. You know what it reminded me of? Remember when we went to Trinidad? I was just going to say, it should remind me of Trinidad. And the whole time I was there, I kept telling my friend, I was like, this reminds me of how I almost died in Trinidad. <laughs> well, first of all, you did not almost die in Trinidad. I was driving. I thought I was going to die. But like, I remember like there was some conversation that had started that I was going to drive. Me and Bruce might drive. There's no way me or Bruce could have driven in Trinidad. Like, there's no way. We would have, A, got into an accident. One, something bad would happen to somebody. Like, <laughs> Falling off of the cliff. <laughs> literally. Because like going to the beach, we went to the beach the next day or that, I think, yeah. after the wedding. We had to go okay. up over the mountain to get to the beach. Yeah. You were like, you know, road racing around the mountains. I mean, you looked like you knew what you were doing, which was great. Oh, but I remember yeah, thinking yeah. to myself, there's no way I could have ever done this. Like, like when you go blind, just ability. When you go around a blind curve, you just blow the horn, beep, 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 and you just go. So the person knows that you're coming in to be aware. So there are rules of the road that keep you safe. So it's pretty cool. But yeah. Okay. Sounds like a cool trip, though. I mean, it was a cool trip and it was great. My friend, like we rented a car and it worked out well. The car we were going to get, we could either get like an economy car or something else. I believe it was like they wanted to give us a Tesla, but somehow the Tesla didn't work out. So we ended up having to get this Armada, like the Nissan Armada, which is these huge SUVs, which was perfect for trying to drive up there because they had the four wheel drive. But I was glad we didn't get the Tesla because I could just see that going horribly wrong, like with all that electric power. Yeah, like where would you plug in? Like, would it be right? I always wonder about running out of power. Granted, I'm sure they have some backup system. Yeah. 
No, it was to say the least. It was a good experience. I'm glad I went, had fun. It was nice. And then what else did we go? We went to Alcatraz as well, which was interesting. Yeah, Alcatraz was pretty cool. That I would like to see. Like prisons and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. (laughs) Don't don't look at me in that tone of voice. (laughs) I I didn't say nothing. I'm just saying we went to Alcatraz. Oh, let me tell you what happened though. So and Alcatraz, anybody who has ever been to Alcatraz, they do an example of how they close the jail cells. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I guess it's like in the 1930s, some guy invented a system where you could open up more than one jail cell by using this latch and lock system. Uh-huh. So now it's used, like I'm pretty sure they modified it since then, but it's used, it's been built upon in order to create the jail system that we've had today in regards to this unlocking and locking cells. So- he says, like, he tells everybody to come over for an example, see if they want to see it, because some people are doing the single person tour. Some people are doing like the auditory tour by themselves. So he brings everybody over to this little cabinet that has like all the gears in it that unlocks the jail cells. So we're over there just watching. And there's this woman who has two children, all right, actually three children. And she's not minding them, clearly, because as she, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. And people don't judge me yet. Just hear the story. So we're over by this huge cabinet that has all the gears in it that look like very, doesn't look high tech stuff, but it looks like stuff you shouldn't be touching, right? Okay. Even as a young person, I would know that. So I hear this young woman, young lady comes up as the guy's talking to us behind him and just opens up the cabinet and starts looking in there and starts filling on like all the gears and everything. And I'm just like, somebody needs to like grab her. I mean, this is probably not the best thing for her to do. And so the mm-hmm. tour guy was very, very respectful. He was like, oh, little girl, do you have any questions about anything? Like, what's your name? Stand the other. And so he's trying to like incorporate her into the presentation to kind of like keep her away from like all the dangerous equipment behind her. And so he's doing that or whatever. And so finally he gives her back and he's like, okay, well, how about you tell us which doors you want to open? And he said, how about evens or odds? And she's like, even. He's like, well, give me some even numbers, which was a messed up question because this girl had been no more than seven years old. And I don't quite think she knew what even and odd was at the she time. She knew what an even number is at seven years old. Continue. Well, she didn't because she looked back at her mom and her mom gave her the answer. That's all I'm saying. Looking <laughs> to her, I just felt that he should have gave her an easier question. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh-huh. but now she knows. But now she knows, though. Anyway, so he says- I'll be that parent like, you better know your number. Go ahead. Sorry. Anyway, so he gives her two, four, six, and eight doors to open up. And so then he starts latching on. He's like, oh, oh, but before I do that, I probably shouldn't be doing this at all. I should probably just make sure all the doors are closed first. So he puts in there, there's a latch for A, which means all. And he puts on A. No sooner did he did that, this woman's other child walks into the jail cell- Right. And he does like this and pulls it back, the last back. And you hear like the jail cells that are open clink shut. And I look to my left and I'm like, I feel like the jail cell that just shut was the one this boy just went into. And so I look at my friend. My friend looks at me and I feel like she felt the same thing, too. But we're still like away. Can't really see. But then we look at other people who are there and we see them looking into the jail cell. I'm like, oh, no, this boy really just got locked into this jail cell. And it's interesting how this man reports like how these jail cells should open. So like when he does the two, four and six one, because he still hasn't realized he's closed this boy in like he hasn't realized it. He goes on with the demonstration. So he's like, OK, so two, four, six, he says, in theory, should open, which in my mind leads me to believe at some point these jail cells haven't opened. And at some point, these jail cells may not have closed either. So mm-hmm. I'm like concerned. I'm like, okay, I feel like the mom should like let him know about this sooner than later because the longer that jail cell is closed, who knows what might be going on with the gears. 
So anyway, ultimately, like at the end of his demonstration, which was like 10 minutes into it, the mom says, hey, like my son just got locked in the jail cell. Can you unlock him? <laughs> she waited until the end. She waited until the end of the demonstration. And the boy was not concerned at all. And I'm just like thinking to myself, I hope this jail cell opens because if it doesn't, uh, I don't know what we're going to do right now. But my biggest concern was one, that was a concern. But then even still, like he didn't even tell people like to back away when the doors were opening, when they were closing and somebody had their hand there. That door apparently is like 250 pounds. I mean, it could like mm-hmm. totally mess somebody up. So anyway, that was just my... I think in his mind, he's saying, if I'm talking to you about it, you should be in front of me and not in the cell. But you know me, like I would have been like precaution. Like I would have had some combs up. I would have had some caution tape up. I said, step back. Nobody in front of this line. <laughs> because we know you can't even cross the road. So. <laughs> you, can't, you can't cross the cones. <laughs> you can't cross the road. Nevertheless, speaking of trips, mm-hmm. I just came back from Trinidad and Tobago. So I had an amazing time. Went down there for Carnival 2020 and had... Such a great time. Such an amazing time. They call it, I think, the most amazing show on earth. And it really is one of the most spectacular festivals I think anyone has ever will ever experience. It is so fun. And I'm currently suffering from Carnival Tabanka, which essentially means I'm having withdrawals from Carnival. Tabanka is the word. And so I'm going through withdrawals. I'm playing all of the soca songs wishing I was back in the sun in Trinidad and just having a blast. And so you just, we went there and literally from the moment I landed, we went to a fete. And a fete is a party. And from that point forward, going from fete to fete to fete to fete, literally, no, no hyperbole or no exaggeration, we literally had about two hours in between getting back from one fete and going to the other. You get maybe an hour, maybe a two-hour period of sleep, a power nap, and then you get up and you go again. We did this for like three or four days in a row. It was crazy. Had such a good time. Really? Yeah. I'm jealous. Something, something you should do. It is one of the most amazing. What I like should about I do it? Should I should do it? I think you would have a blast. You know what I was doing when you were doing that? <laughs> Whatever. I was working and paying the bills. That's mm-hmm. how you do. I did that before. I left. Keeping the lights but on. Well, but one of the things I like about Carnival is that I think it is such an amazing display of like artistry, creativity, and just musicianship. When you listen to the range of music, even though it's within the soca genre, it is just mind-blowing. And every year, year after year after year, they come up with new songs that are equally spellbinding, as riveting, and get the crowds just really enthralled and moving. And it is fantastic. I mean, I just bow down to these artists who year after year can churn out hit after hit after hit after hit. And then what I like about it too is that I feel like it's a coming together of like all of the Caribbean people because everyone from the north of the Caribbean, from the Bahamas in the north to Trinidad in the south, you have all of those island nations coming together. And the cool thing now is that this is becoming like a celebration of the diaspora because I saw folks there from Nigeria, from Ghana, from Sierra Leone, from South Africa, from they travel from there to go there, or they live there now currently. They travel and they come to this festival. This is how popular it is. It is incredible. Tons of folks from the United States come, Mm -hmm. and it is. I mean, and it's just an expression of just unbridled fun and love to boost anyone's confidence. Because at the point where you are on the road, you will have people who love on you, who dance on you, who just show you so much 
adoration that if you have any ounce of low self-esteem, you have one trip to Carnival and they think you're cured. So recommend that you go. Not because you have low self-esteem, but because it's an amazing (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that (laughs) clarification. Cool. Anyhow, so enough about our travels. I think we need to dive into the whole pandemic that's taken over the discourse. Oh, my gosh. Coronavirus 2019, COVID-19, SARS-2, however you want to All the AKA acronyms and everything. Yeah, I think there's a topic that we definitely have to talk about and discuss because I think both of us have felt the ramifications of this. I think just Mm -hmm. at our careers, with our patients, and then just in society in general, like just being out in San Francisco, there was a huge scare. Obviously, there was this cruise ship that was off the coast who had some members who had contracted coronavirus. And so they were basically they couldn't dock. And so a lot of people were afraid. A lot of, you know, again, as I talked to you guys before earlier in the show, I had to call the airliner to get something straightened out and wait times were ridiculous because of the coronavirus. I was talking to, when I went to the, we went to the Muir Woods, we asked, is the woods always this peaceful or are they packed? And he was like, I think people aren't coming out because of the coronavirus because normally it's a little bit more packed than this. So yeah. And it seemed that a city like San Fran, Oakland, and even like the airports, Atlanta and, and San Fran should have been more packed than what they were. I mean, I could be biased, you know, just because no, of what are, I know. People are traveling, definitely. Yeah. But I mean, it is on the tip of the tongue of everybody. I have no friends who don't have any interest in medical, mm-hmm. in anything medical at all. And they're asking me about coronavirus. They can actually say coronavirus, which I think is incredible because... On a normal, mm-hmm. on any given day, they'll be like, so you know that thing, like XYZ, I don't know, exactly. I have this medicine that yeah. I take, it's like a, this color pill, but I mean, they, it has been in so much, it has been splashed across the media to an extent that everybody can actually say this thing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So then how about we start off with just like what the coronavirus is? Yeah. So I think we need to start about, I, because I mentioned epidemic, I mentioned a pandemic, and I think we should clarify oh, what yeah. a pandemic is versus an epidemic. And so it's been turned into a pandemic now, correct? Is it, is it a pandemic now? Or are they still an epidemic? So there's certain outlets that are calling it a pandemic just because mm-hmm. it's global now. Mm-hmm. And there's some outlets that are still calling it an epidemic. I don't think WHO has actively called it a pandemic. As yeah. it. But for everyone's clarification, an epidemic is a widespread occurrence of an infectious disease in a community at a particular time. And so it's it's localized. It'll be in one community at a particular time. It's an epidemic infecting a number of people there. A pandemic, however, is an occurrence of an infectious disease over a whole country or spread across the world. And so this is the reason why many folks have been calling it a pandemic because it has, it has crossed borders and it has infiltrated so many different countries uh, globally. And so... Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up the WHO now and it's still not a pandemic just yet, but obviously yeah. the fear of becoming a pandemic is still out yeah. there, but it's not some quite media, a pandemic just yet. Some media outlets are calling it a pandemic just based on how certain pandemics in the past were classified. I think there's a belief that they're holding off on classifying it as a pandemic, but in other outbreaks of similar in, uh, disease mm-hmm. processes, at this point, it would have been classified as a pandemic. Yeah. So, nevertheless. Yeah. So tell us what the what a whole coronavirus is and what this Yes. Yeah. So I think we need to dispel some myths about the coronavirus. So the coronavirus has been around forever for a long time. In fact, the coronavirus is just a family of viruses that cause the common cold. So if you've ever been sick with the common cold, 
there's a high likelihood that you could have been infected by the coronavirus as one of these viruses. So I think the estimate is that anywhere from like 15 to 30 percent of all common colds are caused by corona. By the corona. Yeah. And it got its name Corona because of the way it looks under a microscope. So Corona means crown or halo. So the way it looks under a microscope gives a crown or halo appearance to it. Therefore, they call it coronavirus. So that's how it got its name. Yeah, medicine tends to be very kind of like... Yeah, right. Like <laughs> I don't know, like a crown. Let's call it like the crown virus, you know? So, nevertheless, yeah. I digress. No, no, but it's one of it's one of the things that I didn't know that actually I read about. I was like, oh, that makes sense. But yeah, that's what the coronavirus is. And so coronavirus is a virus. It can affect multiple species. It can affect humans. It can affect animals such as cats, bats, cows, pigs, and different animals. It can cause different things. So it's known to cause like really bad diarrhea in cattle and pigs. In humans, like I said before, it's the common cold, causes the common cold. So it can cause respiratory issues like fever, productive cough, nasal congestion, and all those things you get whenever you get sick. And so that is the pathway from which people fear that it can be transmitted. It can be transmitted through secretions with humans. It can be transmitted the same way through another organism as well and species. But the issue is, is that it rarely goes between one species and another, and another species. So it rarely goes between like cattle or livestock and humans and then, and then spreads through humans. But there have been a few coronaviruses that have done that. And we've actually seen some of these viruses before in the past. So this is not new to us. So the SARS virus was a coronavirus that caused the epidemic of 2003 which was a severe acute respiratory syndrome. And then there was the Middle East respiratory syndrome, which caused the epidemic of 2012. And now we have the SARS-CoV-2, which is similar to the SARS virus of 2003, or the uh, you know common name that people name it as, which is the COVID-19, which again, is the same thing as SARS-CoV-2. But ultimately, it is similar to the SARS virus of 2003, which was a coronavirus as well. So again, coronavirus is not a new virus overall. It causes the common cold. And there have been some epidemics slash pandemics that have taken place due to different strands in the past two decades or so. And that's what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, these are called zoonotic infections, meaning that it jumps from the animal species into the human species. And so if we look at MERS, the Mediterranean version of the coronavirus that caused a a pandemic in the past, that went from bats to humans. Mm -hmm. SARS, the initial SARS, I think there was a thought that it went from a civet cat. I thought it was bats. They all have that so word. Yeah, so I think there are two theories that it may have come from a civet cat or a bat and then jumped into the human species. And then again, this one, the thought is that it may have come from a bat or from mm-hmm. another animal originating in a market in Wuhan, China. So. Yeah, I think ultimately, I think the origins are from bats, but how that propagated and spread to humans is still, obviously, we don't know just because you just don't know, which is one of the interesting, I think, which creates a lot of hysteria about these type of viruses and uh, situations whenever they arise. But you mentioned one good thing. So the uh, people always wonder exactly how it originated. Well, what is the closest human, I guess, source we can name? And people think that it originated in Wuhan City, uh, China, in a seafood live animal market, mm-hmm. which is what people think that it came from an animal first and then jumped to a human and now it's propagating through humans. So yeah, so like I said, jumped from an animal species into the human species and now it's spreading. One of the interesting things about this virus is that it's a different mutation in the coronavirus family um, mm-hmm. that we're seeing. And there's a concern that it will mutate yet again. And so that's one of mm-hmm. the other fears. The biggest thing is that it mimics the flu in its presentation. And so mm-hmm. 
That's why we're asking anybody who has any respiratory symptoms, any cough, any fever, any shortness of breath, anything that would give a hint that you have something that's related to your respiratory system, the way that you breathe, your lungs, your sinuses, all of those things that you you know, take particular precautions to protect yourself because we don't know if it's a regular common cold, Mm -hmm. the flu, or this new coronavirus. Why this is so perplexing is because when this virus causes a secondary bacterial infection that results in a pneumonia, what they found is that a lot of the antibiotics that we have are ineffective against it. And Mm -hmm. so they want to seek to prevent the transmission as much as possible because Once you get to that stage where you have that bacterial pneumonia, it's very hard to fight it. And some folks get really bad respiratory Mm -hmm. complications that require a lot of mechanical support. So they have to be put on a respirator and have machines breathing for them because the lungs just are overpowered and can't handle the effect of the virus. Yes. And with that said, however, speaking, though, majority of the people who get the coronavirus, even this COVID-19 virus that we're concerned about, survive. They do well. I think I think I was listening to a podcast today. Yeah, I think a podcast today put it at 80% roughly. So the people and I think we well, talked I mean, about I think it's even higher than that. It, it is high. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher, higher than that. But I, I, 80% is just sticking out in my head whenever I remember the briefing. But in overall, majority of people do get this and do well. The people that no, it's, it's much higher because the proposed fatality rate is on the order of like they believe it to be 2%. And the reason it's even that high is because there's a thought that we don't know how many people have actually been infected by the virus. Because for the vast majority of individuals who are young and healthy, they may have very mild symptoms, or even if they have a severe infection from the coronavirus, they do well and they survive ultimately. The age group and the demographic that are most at risk tend to be persons over the age of 65 who have underlying serious medical conditions. So someone who has, say, for instance, a condition of the lung that we call COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, where your lung doesn't expand and contract to the extent that it ought to, and you don't have that good exchange of air. And so those individuals are more at risk because they already have a compromised respiratory system, and then you have a virus that's attacking that same system. So those are folks who they would be particularly concerned about. And then the very elderly who have other serious illnesses. And so I think the persons who are dying uh, the most are individuals 80 and above. I think that's kind of the average. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. So ultimately, the general population, I think, oh, how do I say this? I think there's a lot of hysteria going on with it that's causing the general population to be overly precautious to the point where like people I think are actually thinking that they might die of the coronavirus when they're not a demographic that we're concerned about. I think but I think it's, this it's time, something that's hard to it's hard to convey to the masses because if you're hearing oh coronavirus coronavirus yeah. in the media and you're hearing people are dying from coronavirus people are dying from coronavirus this is a dangerous virus your instinct is to go into preservation mode and so you're yeah. going to do the things that will cause you to survive right and so that's a good instinct I think now that more information is coming out and individuals are becoming aware of the fact that okay this is like the flu. People get the flu every year. Many, many. I don't people- think people are like that yet. Though. I feel like we haven't gotten to that point. I think people are still like they closed on all public schools in some places. Like I know Fulton County had all county schools were were closed today. 
which I mean, I guess, you know, they're, they're trying to be precautious, but I still think that incites fear in people. And people don't understand that, again, like, although we're trying to just contain the virus, they still feel like they're not understanding that. And they state, I think those some of those people are, that aren't in that demographic that we talked about before still think that they're at risk of getting this and dying, which I think overall, you know, you should have a high concern for hygiene. You should definitely be practicing those techniques. But I think at some level with media, we need to also put into the atmosphere, okay, and put into the public good information and, and facts. And I don't hear those facts about, okay, yes, this is a bad virus, but majority of people who get it do well. And here's how you can do your part in this ABC. They're doing better now. I will say that. There have been a number of briefings that have happened as recently as right before we started this podcast, where they came out and they were saying, okay, these are the common sense things that you need to do. These are the individuals who are most at risk. These are the things you should do to protect yourself and your family. I would say, however, and I would posit that the reason why we see school closures is because when you happen to be in a position where you are responsible for large bodies of individuals, right? Large amounts of people. You do not want it on your conscience or, <laughs> or you don't want an outbreak to happen on your watch and have multiple children, for example, have bad outcomes from this. And so I think in the midst of the hysteria that's been created, I think if I were in that position, I would say, you know what? Let me close the school. Let me make sure that I minimize the risk of my pupils catching any form of coronavirus or having this spread through my school and put into place some contingency plans until this dies down. I think that I would sleep better at night. I think parents would sleep better at night. Interestingly enough, kids tend to be doing far better than those exactly. who are in this exactly. coronavirus epidemic, pandemic, however you uh, choose to classify it. And so even in the midst of that, I think I too would still say, you know what, stay home, have a good time. And when this dies down and we have more information, we have a better handle on how things are going to be uh, handled for the masses, then you got, I'm going to keep you home. And then after that, you can come home. Yeah, I think, I mean, I appreciate it because it does alert people of, of proper hygiene again and of how to, again, take care of yourself, be it coronavirus, be it flu season, be whatever. So I, I'm glad from that standpoint. However, speaking though, it's just, I don't know, at some point, I do think we teeter on the side of hysteria with it. But then again, what is the alternative? If one kid gets sick, then, you know, or one person gets it as a, a, a population, I mean, that's going to set off even more of a frenzy. So I can see it both ways. Yeah. And then by the same token, too, I think we have to realize and recognize that we have gone through many, many years of training to understand those concepts. And I think trying to convey that in short snippets to the general population, oh, don't worry, you're not at risk because this affects this particular you know, population of people. And you're like, but we all have the same virus. And if this virus can kill her or him, why can't it kill me? And so I think that there needs to be a lot of information from the public health standpoint. And I think that we're getting to that point where more and more information is being put out into the public. But in the meantime, like you said, encouraging people to follow common sense hygiene practices, washing your hands, trying not to touch your face, those types of things, or your eyes or any any area that's going to allow you to give access to the virus to your body. Those things are, are key to get out to the general population. Which is the same thing they did with the flu, really. Minus yeah. the quarantine, quarantining yourself and isolating yourself if you have it or if you have symptoms that are similar to it. Yeah. And then I think an interesting thing about the quarantine, the quarantine is 
a two-week period. And I think people may be wondering, why is it two weeks? And so what the research thus far has shown is that if you're exposed to coronavirus, it can take anywhere from, I think, about two days to 14 days before you start to show symptoms of the coronavirus infection. And so the quarantine has been set up yeah. with those parameters because we now understand that it can take you up to two weeks before you start to show signs and symptoms that you've actually been infected. So Yeah, I think there were people from Georgia on that cruise ship from San Fran and they're I think they showed up to Georgia here. I think it's a military base, actually. And they're quarantining them for 14 days, which, by the way, people, quarantine versus isolation. So quarantine, when you're quarantined, you're quarantined to make sure you don't have whatever illness you're being quarantined for. So just because somebody's quarantined doesn't mean they have the illness. But isolating somebody means they have that illness and they're being isolated. So these people are technically healthy people, quote unquote until the 14 days have passed through and they have been cleared of having the coronavirus, which has been like a standard practice. I think early on with, I think the U.S. administration put on traveling limits. So anybody that was coming back from the Wuhan city or the Wuhan area was quarantined for 14 days. They stopped letting foreign nationals come through. So the U.S. has done their part in a sense. So I guess I understand where you're coming from. You have to protect the people want to make sure that your people who leadership want the people under them to make sure that they know that they are being protected by their leadership. So I can see how that is the case. I just, again, I think, I think liter- health literacy on this is going to play a huge part because I heard like, you know, people like, for example, the N95 masks and those masks that are being sold out at places. So health professionals who need them can't really use them because they're running low on stock. And even still, I see people with, the N, with those N95 masks going in. One thing you have to realize is the N95 masks, they need to be fitted, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember I had to get fitted for mine uh, every year. And so if they're not fitted appropriately, then you're buying something that's, that's really serving no purpose. People yeah. who have beards, you got to be careful about those with N95 masks on because secretions can go around those. If it's covering, it's, if it's hanging if off you your, have a beard, your chin. You need a whole system. You exactly. You need the so, whole system. I mean, like, they, you could really go into the weeds of this. So people are like buying these masks off the shelf and wearing them in airports. I saw like, at least three people wearing an N95 mask inappropriately in the airport. I'm just like, if something is going on in here, you're definitely going to be infected because it's hanging off the side of your cheek. It's hanging off the side of your chin. You have a beard on. It's just not doing its purpose. So, But some interesting tidbits because I know we're getting to a point where we have to wrap up. So three things. I think speaking of stocks and hysteria, today the stock market went crazy. Oh, yeah. There was a run on stocks, and people were seeking to move their money into more stable assets. And so the stock market actually got to a point where they had to halt trading. Trading, because I heard that, yeah. 7% threshold of, like, I think, a sell off threshold. And I may be misspeaking, but there was a point where it tripped a circuit breaker of sorts where they stopped trading for 15 minutes to allow people sufficient time to sit back, digest yes. what was going on, and say, okay. It's okay. We can reevaluate what's happening and not sell off all mm-hmm. of our stocks. And so I think that that's that's incredible. And that wasn't just happening in the United States. There was a global, global. Yeah. run on the stocks. And so yeah. we find that even corporate entities are feeling the effects of this coronavirus mm-hmm. situation because they're telling their employees to stay home. Right? People aren't traveling, like you said, when you were coming through. The airports were empty. The yeah. cruise industry essentially is going to be at a standstill for a while because mm-hmm. they essentially the told industry as well not to travel. Then you have these sporting events that are at risk, right? So you see Indian Wells, that big tennis tournament, essentially canceled or postponed. South, South by Southwest, Southwest got canceled. 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 
So the NBA is now contemplating, you know, having games played without there being fans in the stands. Yeah, yeah. And so I all saw that. of these ripple effects because of this virus. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty astounding to know that a simple virus can cause so much devastation on so many different fronts. Yeah, I mean, we talk about economic, we talk about entertainment, but I think we talked about earlier last week, even from an environmental standpoint, China has seen yeah. improved air quality because nobody's out anymore. Listen, so they, they did a survey and they found yeah. that there have been significant decreases in nitrogen dioxide. And so nitrogen dioxide is a component of the air that produces smog and it produces mm-hmm. acid rain. And so in the areas in China where they've actually quarantined individuals and there aren't all of these people out and about, there aren't as many cars on the road, public transportation is not running to the extent that it normally runs, they've seen significant decreases to the point where they're like, oh, this is brilliant air quality, you know, mm-hmm. that they haven't seen in so many years. And so it was an indication that if common sense measures are taken, you can actually start to have an effect on climate change and all of the things that we're concerned about. And then I think the final thing I just wanted to mention is that there are actually vaccines in the works. And even though they won't be ready in the midst of this of this epidemic, within a year or two, there should be vaccines for coronavirus 2019 that will be stockpiled. And so if we see this emerge again, there will be appropriate measures that can be taken so that folks can protect themselves from the virus. Yes. So that was a lot. That was a lot to uh, digest, but I think we covered the basics and the yeah, highlights we, of it. We beat that horse to death when we talk. Can we tell people like what to do if they have symptoms or anything? Obviously, call your primary care provider first, but they're, they're telling people important. Yeah. But they're telling people, you know, obviously just again, common sense hygiene. Don't sneeze in somebody's face, sneeze in your elbow. All right. Carry hand sanitizer with you. Make sure you're washing your hands thoroughly, at least 20 seconds, covering every finger. If you feel bad, and you don't necessarily have to have hand sanitizer, common, good old fashioned soap and water. Soap and water does well. Oh, oh. (laughs) And so don't feel like you want that. Even that works better. So washing your hands, soap and water for 20 seconds, you should be fine. Yes, all that stuff. I mean, again, staying home, staying away from uh, public places. Uh, if you're at home with people who are at risk, obviously have your own seek basin if you can. Try to stay away from like using uh, utensils and so forth. Thinking common sense things that you would do to protect yourself if it were the regular common cold, the flu. So again, let's again. There's a hysteria. No, I won't call it hysteria. There is a alert and a higher level of precaution, rightfully so. However, go back to basics. You will still be able to protect yourself. Yeah. And so on that note, yes. thank you guys for joining us and tuning in to yet another riveting episode of Pop Culture and Penicillin yep. with Dr. LJ and the Dr. Warren. The Dr. Warren. Yes. <laughs> and LJ, tell them where you can find us on our social media outlets. So as always, you can find us at PC and Pen on all social media platforms. So that's Twitter, that's SoundCloud, that's Facebook. Instagram. Yes. And then you can also email us at PC and pen, P-C-A-N-D-P-E-N at gmail.com if you have any comments, if you have any questions, any topics that you wish for us to cover in the future. And so yes. in closing out, like we always say, don't forget to know your PCP. And don't forget to check in with your PCP. Thanks for joining. All right, guys. Take it easy. Be safe. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.